My Family and Other Mysteries, a Harefield Press podcast presented by Paula Jeffrey. Hello, thanks for joining me for episode four of this story about the assault on Jane Pierce by my third time's great uncle, Jabez Rainbow. Richard Webster, the surgeon, arrived at the crime scene very quickly, shortly before Jabez was taken away. In his evidence, he described Jane's injuries, noting that he believed she could not have inflicted them herself. At first sight, and because of the excessive blood loss, he doubted that Jane would survive, but on inspection, seeing that the carotid artery remained largely intact, and by successfully stemming the flow of blood, he was confident that she would recover. Jane had been exceptionally lucky on the morning of the attack, not only because Jabez Razor had missed the vital artery, but also because Mr Webster was nearby and able to attend the scene. Richard Webster was a retired naval surgeon who'd been appointed by Lord Nelson. It would appear that most people who saw Jane after the attack didn't think she would survive. In fact, the newspaper seemed certain that she would die very soon. Webster, on the other hand, said he had seen much worse injuries and later he was quick to point out that he was confident of her survival from the outset. One can imagine that Webster had dealt with horrific mutilations during battles at sea and might have persevered giving first aid to Jane where another less experienced doctor might have thought her case hopeless. Interest in the court case was considerable. Large crowds gathered outside St Albans Town Hall before each court session in order to see the victim as well as the culprit. It would appear that what served to entice the crowds was a chance to see Jane in the flesh, a victim of a horrendous crime who had actually survived. Unlike today, where time is needed to gather evidence and interview witnesses, Trials in Victorian Britain often took place within days of the crime being committed. On this occasion, the star witness, Jane, was recovering from her injuries and the surgeon attending her, Mr Webster, refused to allow her to attend court until she was considerably better, leading to several adjournments with the magistrates becoming increasingly frustrated and the gathered crowds leaving disappointed. Finally, on Friday the 29th of October 1841, just 25 days after the attack, Jane arrived at court to tell her story. She travelled from the boot where she had lived temporarily after the attack to the courthouse in a carriage. The courthouse and the boot were situated close together in the marketplace, so the necessity for a carriage must either have been her physical condition was so poor or to protect her from the gaze of the crowds thronging the marketplace. A newspaper commented that much excitement prevailed in the town for a considerable period before 12 o'clock, the hour fixed on for the commencement of the proceedings. 
At 12 o'clock, Jabez was brought to court. The Times reported he walked with a firm step and appeared to command great self-possession considering the awful situation in which he stood. Jane was led into court accompanied by Mr Webster, the surgeon, Mr Douglas, the superintendent of St Albans Police and a nurse. Jane's voice was so weak that the town clerk, Mr Black, was also sworn in so he could relay her words to the rest of the court and the prisoner. Jane said she had been living with her sister in Christopher Yard for three or four months. She went on to tell the court that she had known the prisoner as Jabez Kirk and she had met him eight months earlier. The dialogue in the Times report is written as though in response to questioning but there is no indication of what the questions were or who were asking them. She said that during the time she had known Jabez she had been intimate with him and she had stayed with him at the Boot Public House. The last time she had been to the boot with Jabez was 9pm on the night of Sunday the 3rd of October and they slept in the same bed. She described how Jabez had asked her several times to take off her beads but she told him she never took them off and refused. She said she had no particular reason for refusing. They had not quarrelled and he had never said that he was jealous of anyone. They had nothing to eat or drink during the night until Jabez called for beer and ginger beer early in the morning. She had drank some of the ginger beer and then fell back asleep. I should add that the rest of the evidence is quite gruesome, so if you're a sensitive disposition or you're just about to eat your lunch, you might want to skip on to the next episode. Jane continued with her evidence and said she was asleep when she felt a pressure at her neck and had problems breathing. When she came to her senses, she put her hands to her throat and they went in to her neck. She was unable to call out or scream and could feel the blood streaming out of her. She looked around and saw Jabez kneeling by her side, his face covered with blood and a razor in his hand. She tried to get up but he pushed her down and a struggle ensued. At one point she managed to free herself and run to the door but Jabez caught her and she fell in the middle of the room and prayed for her life. Jabez threw her back on the bed, held her two hands down and said he would kill her outright. She fought him with her legs and he said he would cut them off if she struggled and she did receive a cut across her leg. When she recounted this part of the struggle, the reporter notes that a universal shudder pervaded the courtroom. A short time later, she began to slip into unconsciousness. She went on to say that when she came round, her first thought was why he had done this to her. She remembered that Jabez had gone to the door to call for the landlord, leaving the razor next to her on the bed. She took this opportunity, weak as she must have been, to slip the razor underneath the mattress because she was afraid he'd come back and cut her again. The next thing she remembered was seeing the policeman Lacey in the room and she motioned to him, letting him know where she'd hidden the razor.
Jane went on to give evidence about the razor itself, saying that Jabez had been lent the razor by a soldier on the Sunday morning before, and she hadn't seen the razor again until he had cut her with it. She described Jabez as never having much money and that she never saw any of his money. She expressed surprise as to why he had attacked her and said she would like to know why he'd done it. During the whole of Sunday night they had only had some beer and Jabez was quite sober. Jane described Jabez as a quiet man, that she'd never seen him in a passion and that she'd never given him any reason to be angry with her. She said she'd been in a very sound sleep when her throat was cut and didn't feel Jabez getting out of bed. She thought that the rest of her injuries must have been inflicted when she was struggling with him. This was the end of her testimony and it was at this point that Jabez was allowed to question her. He asked that during the time they had been acquainted had she ever seen him tipsy, to which she replied no. That was the only question he had for her. Webster, the surgeon, took the stun next and gave details of the injuries Jane had suffered. He described the main wound was on the left side of her neck, about six inches long, extending from about two inches below the lobe of her left ear, straight across the neck to the opposite side of the trachea and being about half an inch deep. It had divided the external jugular vein and one half of the windpipe. Beneath this wound there was a vertical cut about two and a half inches long. On Jane's left cheek was another slash that started out being superficial but deepened as it extended backwards, fully dividing the lobe of her ear. She had 15 injuries in all, the most serious of the others being to her right hand where her thumb was almost severed by a slash across her palm severing the tendons. Webster concluded that the necklace of beads consisting of two or three rows twisted together formed a guard which protected her neck. They were so entangled that Webster had to cut through them to remove them. Jabez was then asked for his defence and he only said, I do not wish to say anything at the present. Questions from the bench were put to him regarding his name and he admitted that his real name was Rainbow but that he had gone by his mother's maiden name of Kirk since enlisting. He was committed for sentencing at Hartford Assizes. After the trial, Jane was taken to a private room where the magistrates and Webster attempted over the course of half an hour to persuade her to go into the workhouse. She refused, however, and the reporter noted that she preferred her own miserable home, although Mr Webster said he would not answer that her life would be safe if she caught cold. Join me next time for the final episode, where we look at Jabez's sentencing and a lot of the unanswered questions that this case brings up. This was a Harefield Press podcast, written, produced and presented by me, Paula Jeffrey, with extracts from the book Chasing Rainbows, also by me, Paula Jeffrey, at an Amazon store near you.
Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.